0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Women in Motion. Brought to you by WBEC West. Join forces, succeed together. Now here's your host.
1: Lee Cantor here with Pamela Williamson. So excited to be kicking off this Women in Motion show. Welcome, Pamela.
2: Hi, thank you. We're excited to be here today.
1: And who do we have today in the show?
2: Today we have two amazing guests. We have Vaughn M. Williams III, who is currently the Principal Supplier Diversity Advisor for SoCal Gas Company. And we have Marianne Ellis, who is the CEO and founder of CEO Success Community.
1: Well, welcome, both of you. Let's start the show off with Vaughn. Vaughn, tell us a little bit about SoCal Gas Company. How are you serving folks?
3: So, good morning, first and foremost. SoCal Gas is one of the largest natural gas utilities in North America, and we are servicing folks in a variety of ways, but in my capacity, we are serving them through supplier diversity. We are working with individuals of many minority distincts, women, LGBTQ, uh, service-disabled veteran, persons with disability, and minorities in general, helping them to really understand the fundamentals of business, helping them to identify opportunities in business, specifically with SoCal Gas, from everything from washing a window to building a pipeline throughout the Southern California Basin. And so we are really servicing them in many capacities to afford them the opportunity to create economic strength to create development to generate wealth but most in, first mostly to ensure that their business aptitude is such that they can compete with some of the largest companies in the world
1: now why is it so important to serve groups like women-owned businesses and all those underserved groups that you mentioned why is it important to dedicate resources specifically to help them you know, enter the ecosystem?
3: Well, I think you hit it with the the lead-in, which is the underserved. If you look at statistical data across the nation, you'll see that minorities in general are the most underserved in terms of business opportunity. They can get to the front door, but they can't always get in, or they can put the key in the door, but it may not turn. And my job and my goal is to make sure that that door opens, that that table is set for them to sit at and partake amongst those who they normally would not be able to. Uh, It's important to me personally as a minority and as an individual from an inner city community where opportunities were not at the forefront to make sure that people have that opportunity to grow and thrive. I always tell people somebody gave me a hand up and it is my fiduciary and my community duty to ensure that I do the same for others.
1: So what is some advice you can give a person that wants to work with SoCal Gas Company? What are some of the primary drivers of a successful supplier for you?
3: So a successful supplier, one, understands the business of SoCal Gas. A successful supplier goes to our annual report on the SoCal Gas website, or they go to the California Public Utilities Commission, and they review the projects that SoCal Gas has done, will do, And continues to do. They understand the framework. They understand procurement. They partake in the technical assistance and training programs that we offer. And they seek knowledge even when it's not right in front of them. They ask for that mentorship. They ask for that development. They ask for that feedback, be it positive or negative, because it can only strengthen them in terms of their growth. They actually want to work with you and they bring something to the Table. They bring certification to the table. They bring their knowledge. They bring innovation. They bring the tools necessary to take our company to the next level. Because let's face it, we don't know everything. But what we do know is that there are suppliers out there who have a wealth of knowledge and experience that can really take us to another plateau. And so a successful supplier for me does just that. They look in within to understand what SoCal Gas' needs are, and then they create a solution to some of those needs.
1: Now, if there's someone out there listening that thinks they might be a right fit, is it possible to connect with you or somebody on your team to, you know, have a back and forth and, and really discuss ways that you can work together? Or is this something that they have to come to the table already knowing everything
3: No, if you come to the table already knowing everything, my job is eliminated, (laughs) to be honest with you. I would really like to have an opportunity to meet with a supplier, to nurture them, to groom them, to identify ways to help them build capacity, to help them understand what areas of need we have and how they can fit. I would love the back and forth because I consider that mentoring, I consider that development, I consider that job shadowing, and I consider that an opportunity to make an impact on them, introduce them to the right Purchasers are buyers of goods and services within the company, but I also consider an opportunity to establish relationships that we normally don't get an opportunity to develop with individuals of such caliber. And so, yes, I, I welcome that opportunity and I embrace it primarily because it allows me to help an individual grow.
1: Is there a story you can share? Don't name the name of the company or the individual, but maybe explain where they were coming from and then after partnering with you, how you help you achieve your objectives and help them grow as a business owner.
3: Certainly, I have several, but I will just go with a company that I met 13 years ago in a hotel lobby in downtown LA. It was a woman-owned business and she ran into me and she says, you look familiar What's your name? And I told her my name and where I work for. And she says, yeah, I saw you at a conference a while ago, and I've been wanting to talk to you because we provide a valuable service that you need. I said, really, what's that? She said, well, we provide sleep." I said, well, that's pretty generic. Can you ge- be more specific? Well, she couldn't at the time, but she had enough courage to talk to me. So it brought, it piqued my interest and we began to talk and develop. She went through several technical assistance workshops, She learned the fundamentals of business. She learned how to introduce her business to others, which we call an elevator pitch. So she finessed it. What I didn't know at the time was that she knew nothing about business. She just had a product. And so over time we got her to a point where she could compete for contract opportunities. I'll be honest with you. The first two years I knew she wasn't going to win because we were still developing her. But by year three, she was in the game year four, she obtained a contract, that contract was for $6 million, which is pretty much unheard of. Most people get a $75,000 contract their first time out the gate. But she nailed it. And all of the business owners or business units, rather, were so impressed, they said, we're going to give her a chance. And they allowed her to purchase a majority of the fleet for one of our regions. So that to me was success, because she came to me, we met, not knowing anything about each other, we developed a relationship. She was mentored. She was trained. She learned the business acumen. She understood SoCal SoCal Gas's culture and needs, and she became innovative in the way she approached solutions to that need.
1: And that's a great lesson uh, for the listener. Patience is an important component here, right? Like you, even if you come to the table with certain skills, uh, you, it takes a while to build the trust and to build the expertise you need to serve that specific uh, supplier that you're looking for, right? Like the, the, patience is an important component. You can't, this is not an ATM machine where you just put your card in and money comes out.
3: Right. Patience is a virtue. And I had to learn that myself. And I'll tell you why, because my first few years at SoCal Gas, I too was in procurement. And I didn't really understand why people of minority uh, background weren't getting opportunities knowing that they had the skills and expertise. But what I had to learn through the hard lessons of life was that sometimes the opportunity was not uniquely designed for a particular business. Sometimes the opportunities that are before you are not the ones that will really allow you to shine and succeed. And so with being patient, you land that right opportunity. You land something that's going to allow you to nurture yourself, to create that economic stimulus for the community that you're serving, and it's going to allow you to sustain. What I also learned about patience is that when you have patience, you end up in situations that create long-term opportunity. Sometimes when you're just quick to draw or you want to jump right in, You miss out on a long-term blessing.
1: Now, how important is WeBeck West and other associations like that as part of the ecosystem?
3: So for me, the ecosystem would not be complete without the WeBeck West of the world because they create those suppliers. They really take the time out to nurture those suppliers. They take the time out to identify the strengths and weaknesses of a supplier. And then they take the time out to create programs that prepare suppliers for success. They prepare women who are maybe on the cusp of doing something great, but they're missing either the financial acumen, or they're missing the HR knowledge, or they're even missing that proper business plan, Webeck back West prepares them for those things so that when they come to me, they are a complete package. Without those organizations, I would spend my wills just trying to get suppliers to even understand basic fundamentals like time management, accounting, preparation, capability statement. I mean, let's face it, a lot of people can tell you what they do, but it's a whole other thing to have it put on paper or in print for others to see. Webeck West does all that for me. It's an amazing partnership. And without people like that in my organization, I just don't know that as supplier diversity professionals, we would have the bandwidth to create so many success stories.
1: Now, can we talk a little bit about your procurement life cycle, um, just to educate our listeners if they want to plug in and so they understand kind of the lay of the land?
3: Absolutely. So our procurement life cycle is very unique. Some people tell you, oh, just sign up on the portal. I don't tell people to sign up on a portal because it can get lost in the abyss. For our procurement life cycle, it starts with a sit down conversation with myself and others in supplier diversity. We then personally try to get you registered in our Ariba system by sending you an invite. We then take you on meetings with the procurement agents and the business units. Then you're invited to some bid opportunities, but not always, because sometimes there are some sole source opportunities or standalone opportunities. So with that, we help you to understand terms and conditions. We help you to negotiate the right terms for your company, and we also work with you to get the right payment terms. From there, the contract itself is negotiated, is initiated, and executed. After the contract is executed, then the fund begins, because then we kind of mentor you and make sure that the mistakes that others have made, you don't make. If we see you going in a direction that you shouldn't be, we kind of pull your coattails so that you are successful. From there, we make sure that your payments are submitted, your invoices are submitted on time, and then we make sure that if there are any errors that you know about it. Also within the procurement life cycle, we have what's called SRM, Supplier Relationship Management. That means that we work with you, the supplier, to cultivate a relationship that is tangible with the business unit. We have quarterly meetings where we have both sides to tell what they're experiencing, what are the successes and what are the failures. And then we talk about solutions and then we have a go-forward plan. This creates a, a full procurement life cycle as it allows you to go from cradle to grave in your contract opportunity, but it also allows you to stay within the cycle for future contract opportunities.
1: So if somebody wants to connect with you or somebody on the team to learn more, what are the coordinates?
3: The coordinates are for individuals who are already a part of Webeck West, my information's there. Uh, But for those who are just listening and wanting to, to meet me, Two things they can do. They can reach out to me via email at vwilliams at socalgas.com or they can contact Dr. Pamela Williamson and her tremendous staff who work tirelessly to make sure that we remain in contact and to make sure that opportunities avail themselves. And so my personal recommendation is being a part of WeBeck West because you get only not only the life cycle, but you get the exposure to people like me On a regular basis. And I talk to the Webeck West team very consistently. And so I know who's for the company. I know what suppliers will make an impact. And I pretty much know which suppliers I need to work with on a more consistent basis. So I would say either option, but my preference is directly through Webeck West.
0: Lee, this is Marianne. Before uh, Vaughn signs off, I just want to do a big shout out and thank you to Vaughn. I am a woman-owned business, and I have been part of and was hired by Dr. Pamela Williamson for her platinum supplier program that Vaughn just spoke of. Next year will be my 10th year of doing it. Vaughn has showed up every year for a decade as one of the corporations year after year to listen to these newly certified women-owned business owners share their capability statements, and do their 90-second pitch. So to both Pamela and Vaughn, I want to thank them both, and please continue.
1: Well, Vaughn, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work, and we appreciate you.
3: It's my esteemed pleasure. I appreciate the time, and I look forward to future encounters with both you and the organization. Have a great day.
1: All right. Well, next up, Marianne Ellis with CEO Success Community. Welcome, Marianne.
0: Hi, thank you.
1: Well, before we get too far into things, tell us about CEO Success Community. How are you serving folks?
0: Well, first of all, um, I'll tell you what I do, but I have to thank Dr. Pamela Williamson. I wouldn't be in business if it wasn't for her. So I'll tell you what I do, and then I'll thank her again. So um, CEO Success Community is the source for women and diversity-owned businesses seeking corporate contracts with Fortune 500 companies. We help them make the connection and be prepared to go and pitch to Avon Williams at SoCal Gas. So we have workshops like Get to the Buyer, RFP Proposal to the Win, Business Innovation, Sales Accelerator. Business succession planning and more. We are so proud. Next year will be our 10th year working for WeBank West. We also work for WeBank Pacific, WeBank National. Uh, we've been hired by Southern California Edison, PG&E, CDW. So um, it has really been an honor to serve this community. And my background has everything to do with being in sales and new business helping companies close over a $100 million in less than 18 months. And I was a buyer for four, almost five years in a $16 billion spend pool. So I've been on Vaughn's side. I've been on the small business owner side. I've never been on the association side like Dr. Pamela Williamson, but she runs an amazing organization.
1: Now, why do you think it's important to um, have resources dedicated to serving women-owned businesses? Why, why should uh, organizations really invest in uh, these underserved groups like they do?
0: Um, first, let's go by the numbers. Uh, women-owned businesses in the United States represent 11.6 million firms. They employ 9 million people, and they generate $1.7 trillion in sales. So there is a very important economic reason. And then, but, but what troubles me, so I'm going to do a little shout out to American Express. They did a state of the women-owned business in 2019, and I've been begging them to update their study. They broke it out, not just by women versus men, but they also broke it out in various components. And I think this is an area that needs to be examined, but by the number, women business owners matter. Um, The other point that I would make quickly, Lee, is since the start of the pandemic, women have become the leading drivers of business creation in the United States. So in 2020 to 2021, women accounted for 49% of new business launches compared to 42% for men, and that was up 28% since 2019, and that was a study done by Justo, an HR software company.
1: Now, um, sadly, a lot of women-owned businesses, while they exist and they're growing and they're launching, they're not achieving kind of that million-dollar ARR level that some of the male-owned companies are. are. Are the stats still that way? I know I read about this a while ago. Is that still the case? And if it is, what can be done to improve that?
0: Um, first of all, there's a lot of mega women owned businesses. So I want to also congratulate all of those that are over 50 million and over 20 million. But yes, we do have a challenge right now. Again, according to American Express, only 4.2% of all women business owners have gone over the 1 million in annual sales mark. Um, I think there are five areas. My area is business coaching and business development. I'm really a growth coach machine. And I think there are five things that women business owners um, need to do to accelerate up to a million. One is having a one page business plan. Believe it or not, having a plan with metrics that you check quarter over quarter, year over year, that will get you to grow. Um, investing and hiring, there is seems a bit of reluctance, a bit too conservative on hiring. Um, investing smart and we can also have quite a dialogue about the struggle for capital. Um, I also feel that the women business owners need to take more calculated risks. and I really think they need strong advisors around them. So that's maybe a bit broad, but I've probably coached over 3,000 uh, women and diverse business owners and these are the consistent things that I see that are missing that if they were in place, that would help them accelerate and grow to up and over a million.
1: Do you find that at some level, the women business leaders are just not dreaming big enough?
0: I I have to really pause. I think women, and I don't like to do gender. I don't like to paint people into corners. um, But there was a study recently done in the VC community and they were talking about why does 80% of the funding, VC funding, venture capital funding go to men. And one of them was the issue that women um, are too realistic on their projections. And so if you take that as an anchor point, and you say that is realistic and pragmatic, um, they're not exaggerating enough when they go out and ask for funding. So I don't know if that's a function of not dreaming big enough or just trying to be realists. Um that's a that's a very hard question, Leah. I don't want to paint women in a corner that way because there are some real big uh visionaries in our industry. I mean, I could name so many. I, I want to be careful not to name any company names as you advised Vaughn, but there are some extraordinary women business owners that can compete against. The big companies and win. So um, I think perhaps they're just they just need to stretch more and have the right advisors and take the right calculated next steps.
1: Yeah, I've interviewed many women leaders and coaches, and something that stuck with me about one that was a recruiter is when they were offering a woman a job, they would not. They would kind of self-select out if it wasn't an exact match, whereas a, a man sometimes will just take the job and say, I'll figure it out when I get there.
0: That's a very famous study, Lee, that was done by HP uh, many years ago. And it, it there are so many studies in this area. I try to always anchor anything that I say and do. And that is actually correct. I think it was if men can do 60% of a job, they will go for it women feel they have to be able to do 120%. So I think this is, again, about being realistic, practical, pragmatic. And and, um, I think sometimes we just need to go for it a little bit more. And that, I think, is the role of having good advisors around the woman business owner, also true for diversity business owners, that they can do it with the right steps in place.
1: So now, is there any advice you can share um, other than, I guess, having a good partner with you or an advisor that's kind of watching your back and helping you. But if a woman says, you know what, I want to kind of get into this corporate contracting world. Um, is there some advice that you've found is effective when entering that space and um, succeeding in that space?
0: I think in the area of corporate contracting, I think there's, I I call it the three R's, it's relationships, reputation, and being relentless. And the first R is no one's going to buy from you until they know you, and until they trust you. So there is a degree of relationship building that is very, very important. And I, you know, I I again, think about men in the golf course, and how they build the relationships, you know, how can we parallel that? So that relationship, we have opportunities at there'll be a September event that Dr. Pamela Williamson will be hosting with We Back West, I believe it's going to be in Tucson, um, where she's going to bring all these corporations together with the women business owners. So these are important times, whether it's in a virtual event or an in-person event where we can build the relationships with these corporations. And then the second area is reputation. What are you doing as a business owner so that the the buyers know that you are best in class, that they know that you are innovating and that you're worth the cost of change. We have to be realistic. Every corporation right now probably has a one, two or three suppliers In the area that we do business, what are we doing to communicate that we have innovated, we have a better solution? And I think Vaughn touched on some of that. And then the last area is relentlessness. Um, I I found a study by the National Sales Institute Mm -hmm. that 80% of all sales are made between the fifth and 12th contact with a uh, corporation. But most business owners give up after the third or the second. And I think you have to be relentlessly relevant, constantly providing information about how your company can serve SoCal Gas as an example, what you've done for other utility or gas companies, um, how you are delivering in the marketplace. And I think Vaughn said, it can take 18 months, two years, three years, four years, you have to stay at it.
1: Now, Pamela, can you share your take on how a woman-owned business person can be successful in uh, corporate contracting?
2: Sure, I, I, I'm going to end up echoing a lot of what Marianne said, but I do think it takes some tenacity, and she is absolutely right that a lot of people give up after the second or third encounter, and uh, you really have to go beyond that. I also think part of it is truly building authentic relationships. They need to get to know you. And and that echoes what Marianne said about, are you worth the cost of change? Because corporations already have contracts in place. They have built trust in their existing supplier. So you're coming in saying to them, I have a better product or a service, and I'm worth the cost of change. And not only am I worth the cost of change – I am also a sustainable change. So the hardest thing for a company to do is switch an existing supplier. So it is really important to be able to show up, make sure that you show up reliably, consistently, um, and that you're able to communicate what makes you better, quicker, faster, and are more effective
1: is um, can either one of you share a story that kind of illustrates that where somebody came out um, and and really um, made a mark for themselves where they hadn't been doing this before, whether they were part of Webeck West or a story Marianne, that you might have found from one of your coaching clients where you were able to help them kind of insert themselves and really get to a new level.
0: Um, I can share a recent story and then I know Pamela has so many because all the corporations look to We Back West um, for referrals. And if anybody's listening, please make sure that Dr. Pamela Williamson, Jamie Lomax, who is a wonderful vice president there and her whole team, make sure that if you are a small woman business owner and you're certified with We Back West, that they know about you because the corporations count on them. So, I'm going to go to a, a supplier that was in the construction field. And she was trying very hard to connect with the utility company. And she repeatedly showed up at the um, Platinum Supplier Showcase that's offered by We Back West. And finally, uh, from repeatedly showing up, she received a capability presentation. And then you have to start to what I call go down the gauntlet. So first you make a connection. Then this person connected at a, um, a networking event online. And then this person connected again at a networking event in person. And then they showed up the next year. They took the platinum supplier course again and showcased. And then they got asked to do a capability presentation. So again, this is the period of time because when they first presented, that corporation already had a supplier that they were very happy with. But over time, not only did this uh, business owner build a relationship with supplier diversity, but also with the buyers in the business unit. So she had a friend who knew a friend who gave her an introduction. So when the time came for an RFP, she had to earn it the hard way. But we went through the process. She filled out the RFP. She was competitive on her pricing. I mean, there must have been 40 to 43 questions she had to answer. And uh, she did all that. She scored in the top. Then she had to negotiate uh, her terms and conditions. So I would call this, Lee, a journey. If you want to do corporate contracting, this is not a quick hit, one and done. You are on a journey to build a relationship, to get known, to create And also, many times you need to know multiple individuals within that company, supplier diversity, procurement, the buying unit. So um, I would say it's been a pleasure to watch so many of these um, women business owners win in corporate contracting, but it's been a journey.
1: And is part of your work kind of explaining and managing the expectations for your clients? Because it it isn't something that you just put your name on a list and wait your turn, right? You have to make the investment in time and energy uh, in showing up, like you said, probably take leadership positions in the different groups so that people get to know you and watch you so they can trust you.
2: So
0: I would say absolutely. I mean, if anyone's listening, when you are certified with We Back West, you have the chance to join the forum. So they, in each city, they have forum leadership and that's a great opportunity for corporations to see you and for you to showcase. Um, we go to trade shows, uh, Lee, where we just got back from a big trade show in Nashville. Um, there'll be an opportunity also in September in Tucson. So there are lots of chances to increase your visibility and that important R of reputation. So, I think there are opportunities out there. You you have to grab them and take them. You cannot be invisible and passive.
1: Now, what's your backstory? How did you get involved in this line of work?
0: Uh, <laughs> I never expected to be in this line of work, so I have to chuckle. Uh, I spent my first part of my career in advertising, which is why I get to go to the Emmys every year and wear an incredible dress. So I'm a member of the Television Academy. So I did commercials uh, in the in that, in that space. And I thought I was going to retire. So that was my first retirement. Um, I had a friend of mine who said, Hey, I have this certification, but I don't know what to do with it. She was one of the largest women owned advertising agencies in the country. And so I left the big agency world And I helped her learn how to use her certification. And uh, the first client was Allstate. And she bet that she said four years she'd been trying to get business from them. So I said, I bet you in three months I can do it. And I went to an event and I was meeting with Allstate and I was able to create a meeting opportunity for this company. But really how I got into coaching has everything to do with um, a crying woman on the couch who didn't know how to do a matchmaker meeting with the corporation. And since i had been in selling, um, I was able to show her how to do that. And she didn't leave the trade show crying. Instead, she wound up getting a capability presentation, which led to a contract. And because of that experience, We Back Pacific said, well, wait a minute, can you do matchmaker success? And suddenly I was doing webinars with Amgen and Disney on how to speak to corporations and how to pitch corporations. And so this was kind of a side job. At the same time, a friend of mine who had a buying um, consultancy said, Marianne, Portia needs someone to help them buy um, product placement. Would you like to go on the buy team? So I went on the buy side for four years while I was trying to help some diversity business owner. So it's, I've been a seller, I've been a buyer, and I know how to coach. And here's where I am today with CEO Success Community. So it's it's been a journey for me. I never expected to be here, but I'm very grateful to be of service.
1: And when you're working with uh, women-owned business leaders, is there some mistakes you see them making maybe kind of over and over again where you're like, here we go again?
0: Um, I think the mistakes that I see over and over again is going to go back to what Dr. Pamela Williamson just said, not enough tenacity. They need to really respectfully stay on it until they win a contract. Once again, when they've made, when you know, we work very hard to make sure you target the right companies that you're qualified for and that are that you can provide a service better than what they have right now. So I think the mistakes that I meet, that I see time and time again is not being providing relevant information in a relentless way and impress and an impressive way. So just giving up too soon.
1: Now, uh, over the years you've been doing this, has there been a story that has been kind of most rewarding where you saw that, hey, they're, they've are they been working really hard. They've been trying really hard. Their efforts have really paid off. And not only will this impact them and their firm, but this is something that might even impact their community.
0: I see a lot of business owners giving back to the community. I mean, if, if that's what you're talking about. So a story of where I mean, a lot of these business owners, they help each other. And that's truly magical. So some of these business owners will get a big corporate contract. And then over time, when they, I think it's Hasu, I think Jamie Lomax came up with that phrase, hook a sister up. So a a great story is where one business owner had a big uh, automotive client, and they were successfully working with them. And a fellow business owner said, I've always wanted to work for them. And at the right time and at the right moment, one business owner allowed another business owner to meet this big automotive client, do a capability presentation, and now they both work for this automotive client. So again, the relationships are both two ways, with corporations are important and equally important the relationships with your fellow women business owners and diversity business owners.
1: So is that your favorite part? Like seeing somebody that you've worked with, you know, go on to great things or is it, you know, is that as rewarding for yourself to individually get a new uh, client?
0: Um, What's most exciting to me is when business owners win. It is so hard to win and win comes in many ways. You can win by making a key strategic hire. And I see that. You can win by getting capital funding for new machinery that you need or a new division. Um, I get excited when I see them win just a capability meeting, which done right will hopefully lead to a contract opportunity. So to me, there is so many ways to applaud the small business owner because it does take a journey and every step of the way these are the decisions um one company since i'm hired by southern california edison as a business coach it was really rewarding to watch um the the business owner go from 12 employees to 500 and then sell their company
1: so um what do you need more of how can we help you
0: um I To me right now, every opportunity that I have to help business owners, um, I'm grateful. Uh, I just most recently have been asked to help um, do more workshops. So, you know, being funded by major corporations for workshops and getting the word out, um, the opportunity to continue to work for Dr. Pamela Williamson, I'm grateful. So um, to me, uh, I would say if there's a corporation that's hearing this right now, there are a lot of business owners that can't afford a business coach. And so if you can sponsor um, a small business owner for coaching, that would be a huge ask that I would make. Um, the business owners, they have so many things they need to pay for. So whether you sponsor the Platinum Supplier Program um, through We Back West, or you come to me as C- CEO Success Community and say, I want to sponsor a business owner in your program, Um, I say help a business, uh, help a small business owner. That's what I would like to ask for.
1: Well, good stuff. Thank you so much for sharing your story. If somebody wants to connect with you or somebody on the team, what's the best way to do that?
0: I think the best way to reach out to me, because my inbox is constantly flooded. I am most responsive on LinkedIn. So for your listeners, if you go on LinkedIn and say, I, um, you know, I heard you with Lee and Dr. Pamela Williamson on Women in Motion, or I heard you on the radio, um, and then you l- go to instant message on LinkedIn, that's the easiest way to reach me. I also have a website, CEO sec- CEOsuccesscommunity.com. Um, but I just, again, I want to thank um, We Back West. I wouldn't have CEO Success Community without them.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Marianne, for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you. Pamela, this is a wrap for this episode of Women in Motion. Um, What do we have to look forward to in future episodes?
2: So, what you have to, excuse me, what we have to look forward to in future episodes is we have some more exciting WBEs talking about how they are increasing the economic vitality in the communities they serve. We have Corporations coming to talk with us a little bit about what they do and how they impact the ecosystem of women business enterprises and just a lot more stories. You know, stories, I I think the sharing of stories help to motivate others to step outside of their comfort zone and to try a business or to at least pick up the phone and make a call to either a Marianne or to Webeck West. Um, That's what this is all about, just providing information and inspiration.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, and it takes them taking action in order to make this all go. So we're giving them the information and the education, but they have to take the action. Definitely. Well, Pamela, thank you so much for allowing me to be part of this. This is Lee Cantor for Pamela Williamson. We'll see you all next time on Women in Motion.